Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. What is the role of Israel in Bible prophecy, and how can we use Bible prophecy to share our faith? Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Bros here with co-host Joe Kerr, who serves as managing editor of IamAWatchman.com. And in today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Richard Hill. Dr. Hill, welcome to the program. Ah, shalom. Well, great to have you with us today. And as we begin, let me share a little bit about today's guest. Now, Dr. Richard Hill is pastor of Beth Yeshua in Las Vegas, that means House of Jesus, and is a missionary to the Jewish community with CJF Ministries. He's the author of numerous books, including Freedom and Messiah, and the book we are discussing today, Israel and Prophecy, a Chronology. In your book, you refer to Israel as God's timepiece for prophecy. Tell us a little bit about what you mean when you call Israel God's timepiece for prophecy. Well, let me tell you that uh, uh, many believers, when they're reading the scriptures, are not looking for this Jewish root aspect uh, for prophecy, or really Jewish root aspect of the whole Bible. And so what what I've been doing as a missionary and as a, as a as a pastor, I've been teaching the churches for many years, or over 25 years, um, preaching the Jewish roots of the Bible. And many of the messages that are actually put into the book were preached over this time period. And God finally just said, hey, put it into a book so we can get it out to all these people, all these believers, so that they understand God's timepiece or prophecy involved Israel. That's the centerpiece. And there's so many prophecies. Uh, I've got 400 pages, you know, in the book talking about Israel and prophecy. There's so many prophecies and verses about Israel that uh, we need to know this information. It's God's heart because he wants his Jewish people finally come back to him. You took a chronological approach to discussing the Jews in Bible prophecy. Before we talk about a lot of those individual events, which we'll get to, give us kind of a short list of the major events in Jewish end times prophecy. Well, the book centers around the charts. Now, there's an Israel and Bible prophecy chart that I have in the book, but it's also on my website as well. People can download it if they want, and they can actually see exactly uh, all this prophecy and how it's put in a chronological order. But I start out with Israel today, and, and why does the world hate the Jewish people? So I talk about some of the history, the Bible history, on why the world hates the Jewish people. But then we talk about the, the good aspects of what's happening with Israel today as well as the regathering. God is calling all the Jewish people back to the land. And there's a there's a main reason why he's doing it. It's found in Ezekiel 36, verse 24 through 28. And it's really one of the center pieces or the center scriptures. That and Daniel chapter 9 are the center scriptures of Israel prophecy. But God is calling all the Jewish people back to the land so that he can judge them in the tribulation period and then he's going to save them at the end of the tribulation period, or whoever is left, um, you know, through the Holocaust. And then he's going to restore them back to the land of Israel. And so that's a major picture of what's going on with Israel today and in Israel in the future as well. Now, the other sections are Israel, the Ezekiel War. So we talk about uh, the Confederacy of Nations that are going to attack Israel, and that could happen at any time. Talk about the One World Order, and then the Ten Kingdoms that come out of that One World Order, and then the Anti-Messiah, of course, rising to power. The Pre-Trib Rapture, then we talk about the Tribulation Period, which is also known as Jacob's Trouble. 
So the seven-year period there, we talk about Israel in the first half, Israel in the middle of the tribulation, and Israel in the second half. Talk about the second coming and Armageddon of Jesus. Then the Messianic Millennial Kingdom, that's what I call it, the MMK, the Messianic Millennial Kingdom. Messiah is reigning for a thousand years. And then finally, at the end, is Gog and Magog too. That's the final battle that's going to be in the history of the world. Then the Great White Throne Judgment, you have the new creation of the heavens and the earth, and then the new Jerusalem, which is our eternal home, where we're going to live in forever. Then we have that eternal kingdom and just praising and worshiping and serving God forever. Well, I love that overview of Bible prophecy and where things are going from now until eternity future. And some of these are so key. For example, you mentioned the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. I think it's called Eliah in the Hebrew. Uh, tell us a little bit about the significance of that. Most people aren't even aware that there is such a huge number of Jewish people returning to the land of Israel today. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. Uh, even Scripture talks about how um, the Jewish people were going to be returning from the north. The northern kingdom, in a sense, and uh, the north is, but we're talking about Russia, you know, just in the last 30 years, it was actually in the 1980s or so, uh, where one million Jewish people came from Russia and into the land of Israel, and they're living, you know, living there now. Um, But uh, just in the last hundred years, we've gone from thousands, you know, just thousands of Jewish people to almost, what is it, seven million Jewish people living in the land. And, you know, there's still a, a good amount of Jewish people around the world, about 10 million, a little less than that, uh, that need to, you know, continue to go back to the land. Um, but yes, uh, Jewish people are in droves now coming back to the land. And, and you know what? Most of that is because of the hunters. Hunters are going out and they're, they're hunting uh, the Jewish people, and that's a very unfortunate situation. Europe, uh, you know, there, there, there's a lot of Jewish anti-Semitism, a lot of attack against Jewish people. and But you know what? You know what, you know what nation is, it was the greatest uh, percentage of anti-Semitism in the last year? United States. Really? There's a lot of anti-Semitic acts against the Jewish people here in the, in the United States. And so Jewish people are talking about, you know, making Aliyah. That was the word you were talking about it before, is making, making Aliyah, going back to the land of Israel. Uh, But it's not just going back, it's also becoming a citizen, too. So that's what that involves. You cover so much in the book, but I love the tone of it, and the love for the Jewish people is very evident in your writing. Let me ask you this. Is this a book that someone could give to an unbelieving Jew that might help them find Christ? Oh, absolutely. And that was one of the reasons why I wrote the book. I wrote it to the Gentile Christian Church, number one because I want them to understand Jewish roots and understand Israel and prophecy. I just want them to know all this. It's so important. And But number two, I'm also writing to the Messianic Jews. Uh, the Messianic Jews of the world, there's a lot of us now. You know, it's growing. It's a growing movement. And a lot of them don't know about Israel and prophecy and all these uh, events as well. But then thirdly, I want to, I'm writing to Jewish people, unsaved Jewish people. The gospel is in this book. And if they read the whole book, then they will get the good news message of, of Yeshua, Jesus. They'll understand exactly why they need to, uh, you know, to believe in him as the Jewish Messiah, as their God, as their Lord, as their Savior, you know. And so it's written for them so that they would know. And so it's a perfect gift to give to a Jewish person. Uh, and then the other thing is, uh, I wrote the book because I'm warning. I want to warn the Jewish people what's coming down the pike here. You know, there's a whole lot of persecution coming, a lot of Holocaust coming in the future and they need to be ready as well 
Yeah, we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll discuss what the Jewish people believe about the end times and how we can share Christ using Bible prophecy. So stick with us here on A View from the Wall. From I Am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute. The year was 1266. Kublai Khan, leader of the Mongol Empire, the largest empire in the world, sent a request asking Europe to send a hundred Christian missionaries. For several years, Marco Polo had spoken to the Khan of Christ, and now he wanted his people to hear. The request was received, but only two missionaries said they would go, and one died before reaching the Mongol territory. This effectively closed the door for missionary work in the region for hundreds of years. Theologians consider the sending of only two missionaries one of the greatest missed evangelistic opportunities of all time. Question. When God calls out, whom will go, whom will I send, will you be quick to say, here am I, send me. Be bold, be faithful, be a watchman. I am a watchman.com. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. We're talking Bible prophecy with our special guest, Dr. Richard Hill, author of Israel and Prophecy, A Chronology. And you can order your copy of Israel and Prophecy, A Chronology from the I Am a Watchman bookstore at IamAWatchman.com. As we continue our discussion with Dr. Hill today, we want to better understand the Jewish perspective on the end times. Now, if I, we go into this discussion, I want us to talk about what do modern non-Messianic Jews believe about what we call the end times or the last days? How would you address that, Dr. Hill? Well, that's a good question. Um, there's a lot of different viewpoints on uh, what you know what the end times or the last days are going to be involved, but uh, for for most Jewish people, I would say that they believe in the Messiah, that the Messiah is coming, and he's going to set up the kingdom for the Jewish people, okay? And this is a more of an orthodox viewpoint. Um, so I'm uh, going with the orthodox viewpoint where they believe in the Messiah, but they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, okay? And okay. Uh, so that's the reason for our ministry is just to bring that, that message that Jesus is Messiah and to try and, you know, show them through the scriptures and prove it to them. But so, so they believe in a messianic kingdom, and that's really what they're hoping for. And so when they're working for their salvation— and truly, it's a works-based uh, a salvation that they're, they're performing all these good deeds um, and hoping that their good deeds outlast their, their, their bad deeds so that they can make it to the kingdom, that Messiah is going to bring them into the kingdom and that they'll live with him forever there. So that's the heaven, basically. That's the heaven result uh, for, for non-Messianic Jews. Um, but uh, they know end times and the last days, they don't, that's not the word that they use for it. But they know that in these days, and the rabbis teach this, that, that it's going to be bad times for Israel. They recognize that. They know that. They see the scriptures. Uh, you know, it's not that, you know, it's not that they don't understand the scriptures. It's, uh, there's going to be, they see the anti-Semitism around the world. I mean, they have organizations that track all of the attacks around the world uh, that are reported. So they understand that it's increasing and it's going to continue, but they recognize that Messiah is the one who's going to deliver them. You talk about the coming Holocaust, Rich, and, and I love the way you address that in the book, but that's a word that conjures up only horrible images for most people. Tell us what you're talking about when you say the coming Holocaust. Well, 
specifically in uh, what is known as Jacob's Trouble, and uh, the Christian world calls it Tribulation Period. So it's Daniel's 70th week, that last seven-year period that Tribulation is coming upon the world. Now, God is going to be judging the whole wide world, okay? And and that's what we see in the book of Revelation very clearly, you know? But what a lot of believers miss is that God's focus is on Israel in that time period. He is calling them back. He's trying to save them. He's judging them, but he wants to save them. So through that whole process of judgment, and he's going to save all these Jewish people uh, in the end, at the end of the tribulation. But what's going to happen is that coming Holocaust, anti-Messiah, the Antichrist, at mid-trib, is then going to be performing a holocaust against the Jewish people for the last three and a half years. And so when you get to the scriptures like Zechariah chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, especially Zechariah 13, verse 8 and 9, it tells us that two-thirds of the Jewish people are going to die in this holocaust. Jesus mentioned the holocaust in Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 and then following. Right when the abomination of, of desolation occurs, and that's the anti-Messiah setting himself up as God in the temple and requiring worship from the whole world, Jew and Gentile alike. Then he's going to attack all the Jewish people. He's going to attack believers, too, the Gentile Christians and the Jewish Christians. He's going to attack them as well. And But he's going to attack all the Jews and try and wipe them out. That's his goal. That's the Holocaust. And it's going to be terrible because two-thirds of the Jewish people in the land are going to die. And God's calling all the Jewish people back to the land to allow this judgment. Uh, and so we're looking at a worse Holocaust than World War II, where you had six million Jewish people dying. But the good news is at the end, the one-third that makes it through this Holocaust will be saved. That means they're going to be born again. They're going to receive the Holy Spirit. They're going to enter into the kingdom, you know, as believers of Jesus, uh, believers of Yeshua. Then it's going to be a blessed, you know, but it's one-third that makes it through. It'll be a blessed uh, millennial kingdom, that's for sure. Well, it's interesting that even now we see increases in reports of anti-Semitism, both here in the United States and worldwide. How does this anti-Semitism we see in our culture today connect with some of these predictions that are talked about in the tribulation? Is this kind of a foreshadowing, or is this uh, connected yes. in some other way? Talk about that a little bit, if you would. Exactly. That's exactly what it is, and... Um, it's a foreshadowing of what's going to occur, but it is a part of the process as well. And so, um, you know, as the anti-Messiah that teaches this, anti-Messiah is a counterfeit. He counterfeits everything that Jesus did in the past and his first coming. So he's counterfeiting all that in the tribulation period as well. And he's tricking the world to believe that he is the one, you know, that he's the one that, uh, uh, that the world needs to believe in. And so what he's doing here now and right now is all precursor. It's all, you know, it's all the, what I call the birth pangs of the birth pangs in the book, you know. Uh, there's still tribulation going on today. There's still attack, but it's not going to be as great as it is and as focused as it is in the tribulation period in Jacob's trouble. That's interesting. Even the anti-Semitism we see today then will be mild in comparison with what the Bible talks about will take place in the tribulation. It's frightening to think of oh, what yeah. to expect. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Jesus talks about that in Matthew 24, the first half. Uh, uh, you know, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and and uh, and all that. So it, it's already begun. You know, earthquakes, uh, they're becoming even more dramatic and drastic. So uh, all of these prophecies that he has 
prophesied a long time ago are coming true and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And, um, and I'm just grateful that we have a great president right now that loves Israel and it's uh, blessing Israel, but in the end, it's going to be really bad for them. And that's, that's part of the warning that we can do uh, for the Jewish people. Right. Well, that, that brings me to an important question. Uh, people oftentimes will ask where America is in Bible prophecy, and I think of that myself. I don't see it specifically mentioned, but there is some kind of connection between how America treats Israel and America's role in the end times. Can you talk a little bit about that before we go to break, what you think that connection uh, entails? Well, the Bible does not specifically talk about America. America is not in the Scriptures, uh, as far as we know. There's a few places that talk about the West, and it's possible that we're included in there, but probably not because, you know, America wasn't even around when the, the scriptures were written. So um, I don't see America in, in, in prophecy. Um, so the real issue is where, you know, what happens to America in the end? And we really don't know, but if we want to try to discuss a little bit, uh, America will most likely be a part of the one world order. And that means we were going to join the rest of the world to come against Israel as well. Um, now, is that going to really happen when you have, you know, a good 25% of this nation as believers? Um, well, you would think not, but uh, look what happened uh, under our last president, President Obama, and how we were moving steadfastly to be a socialist nation, you know, trying to become uh, very similar to European nations. I mean, that was the goal of this president. So, um, you know, that one world order, it wasn't far away. It wasn't far away at all, but I think we've seen a reprieve now under our, our current president. And um, so, uh, you know, America, we're, we're in a very d difficult situation right now, very spiritually uh, oppressive uh, nation, you know. And uh, we're, in a, we're in a spiritual battle, and we need to be praying for our nation, but we need to be sharing the good news that people's lives can be transformed. Well, I like that you put it in those terms that we are in a spiritual battle. Regardless of politics, we are fighting a spiritual enemy. And when we come back, we'll talk more about this as well as other applications as a watchman. So stick with us here on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall comes from I Am a Watchman Ministries, established to help individuals know the love of Jesus, enter into a relationship with Jesus, live for Jesus, tell others about Jesus, and prepare for the imminent return of Jesus. We want to inspire the body to live a life of meaning and purpose, and at the coming judgment, hear the Lord say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. The wise will strive to live well, so that they can finish well. The prudent will work to be aware of what God has done and what prophecy notes he will do in the days to come. In support of these goals, the I Am A Watchman ministry is happy to make available at no cost a wealth of discipleship, prophecy, and spiritual growth resources for those who desire to learn and those who are called to lead. Find out more by visiting our website, IamAWatchman.com. That's IamAWatchman.com. Welcome back to A View from the Wall, and in our final segment today with our special guest, Dr. Richard Hill, author of Israel and Prophecy, A Chronology, we want to get down to some everyday applications. So as we continue, let's get down to the details for watchmen who are listening today. 
Tell us, Dr. Hill, if you would, how can Watchmen use Bible prophecy to begin a witnessing conversation with someone who is an unbelieving Jewish person? How can we begin? Well, um, I think the number one uh, thing that we need to do is to warn the Jewish people that a Holocaust is coming. And I think they already really recognize that. But uh, when you can uh, share that message with them, uh, you really become a friend of the Jewish people. Uh, when you're warning them and say, hey, you guys need to be mindful of this. This is this is what's coming. The Bible prophesies it. Even the Jewish Bible prophesies it without having you know New Testament verification on that. Um, then I think you're you're going to you're going to have a friend at least. You know the Jewish people they're looking for friends. They want friends, and they don't see the world as being their friend. Uh, so when believers are loving them, showing them love, you know, taking care of some of the needs, uh, you know, the physical needs, the emotional needs. You could just go up to a Jewish person and say, Hey, you know, do you have any prayer needs? I want to pray for you. You know, I pray for Israel. I love the Jewish people. I pray for you know I love Israel that kind of thing. So you're you're really uh, you're really bridging that gap that gap of mistrust that that what they did that they have towards the world, and so you're able to be, then be able to bring in that good news message of of Jesus as Messiah, and and share that as well. But you can use this book. This book talks a lot of different aspects of what's coming down, you know, coming down the road for the Jewish people. Um, you know, there's good stuff in there as well, but yeah, unfortunately, there's a lot of bad that is, that's going to happen, a lot of war. But, you know, like the Ezekiel War, God is going to to defend Israel, and it's going to be in dramatic, catastrophic, worldwide uh, uh, knowledge here. Everybody's going to know that that the God of Israel has, has uh, defeated the enemies of the Jewish people, and they're all going to be uh, stymied. They're going to be in shock. It's going to be incredible what's going to happen there. So, I'm glad you took it there, because the discussion of the tribulation, I mean, you read through, you referenced Matthew 24 and other places in Revelation where it talks about natural disasters, what we could call supernatural disasters, invasion, Armageddon, ultimately martyrdom for many Jews. How does Israel find hope in all of that? Well, there's only one hope, my my friends. That's it. It's Jesus. You know, Yeshua is his Hebrew name, and uh, he's the only hope. There, there there's not going to be any other hope now. Well, what the unfortunate thing is going to be is that you're going to see a lot of Jewish people hoping that the anti Messiah is the answer, and he's going to bring that peace treaty, and so they're going to be real excited about that. But then, but then the judgment of God is going to be coming upon the whole world, and so that that. That the pseudo peace, what I call, you know, it, it's not going to be real peace. Uh, it's going to be vanishing, you know, because by the uh, by the fourth uh, seal, one fourth of the world is going to be dead. So you're looking at, you know, what two two billion people maybe up to that point, two billion people dying by the fourth seal, and that's the first half of the tribulation. So that's not peace. You know, there's no peace in that. In this time period, God is judging, and he's judging dramatically. And so, uh, you know, there's going to be shock around the world. People are just going to be incredibly shocked. And truly, the only way out is going to be Jesus. That's the only way. So they need to, they're going to need to see that good news message of Jesus, that, that he's died for our sins, that he resurrected on the third day, that he's our Messiah, he's our God. He came to show all of the, uh, 
the miracles, the signs, the wonders to prove that he is the Messiah for the Jewish people and for the world. So we just have to believe and trust in him. I love that. And I know that many Christians are familiar with Psalm 122.6 to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but many overlook the why behind this. In verse 8, for example, it's for the sake of my brothers and my friends. And verse 9 tells us it's for the sake of the house of the Lord our God. What was David writing there? And how does that apply to Christians who pray for the peace of Israel today? Well, David is writing to Jewish people, obviously. It's Psalm 122. And He's telling all the Jewish people that we've got to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And then the promise there is that we'll prosper. Uh, the ones who love Jerusalem and love the Jewish people, obviously. And and that word for prosper, uh, you can actually tie it to the peace of Jerusalem. So it's a, even though it means a, an economic concern, that you'll, you won't have any economic concern, but I believe you see it's more towards the context is understanding that it's about peace. So you're going to prosper in peace if you pray for peace. And when you brought in that verse 8 and 9, that's very uh, very profound because my brothers and my friends. So if you're friends of Israel, you love the Jewish people, and if you're a believer of Jesus, then you're automatically connected, spiritually connected to Israel because Jesus was Jewish. And so this applies to us as well. And of course, just because it's Scripture, it applies to us, and we believe in all the Scripture and we follow it all. And so the idea is that we all need to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem and really to do it on a constant basis because there's constant attack. Uh, I'm actually going to be going to Israel in a couple of days uh, on a tour, and I'm teaching part of that tour. And, you know, we have a concern because Lebanon has just recently, a few days ago, attacked Israel, sending in, uh, you know, missiles uh, into Israel. But uh, right now there's calm, and so we're, we're at peace, and we're praying for the peace and just want to continue to do that for not only Israel, but for Jerusalem specifically. Now, what happens in the end? Antichrist goes into Jerusalem in the end and and wipes it out, basically. He takes it over. And, uh, you know, I write, write about that in the book as well. So that's one of the reasons why we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Dr. Hill, in the minute or so that we have left, we'd like to conclude each program with a word of challenge and support for our listeners who share that watchman's calling. What word do you have for those who are or or want to be a watchman? Well, I think all believers need to be a watchman, watching over Israel. Um, we've got a calling to do that. We need to be mindful of sharing the good news with them, but we need to bless them as well. I mean, not everybody has a lot of Jewish people in their lives, so pray for the Jewish people. Bless the Jewish people as best as you can. Um, But if you can share the good news, then do it, and do it in a way that they're going to be receptive. And if you don't know how to do that, then definitely contact me, and I'd be happy to teach anybody how to share the good news to Jewish people. So pray for the peace, love the Jewish people, take care of needs, and share that good news message of Jesus. Well, you've been hearing from Dr. Richard Hill. Again, he's author of Israel and Prophecy, a Chronology, and many other books as well. You can find out more about Dr. Hill at cjfm.org. Again, that's cjfm.org. We want to thank you for joining us on this episode of A View from the Wall. And we also want to encourage you to connect with us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or SoundCloud using I Am a Watchman, all one word, I Am a Watchman. You can download this broadcast, find it on Spotify, iTunes, and other major podcast platforms by searching for A View from the Wall. We appreciate your prayers and support and look forward to joining you next time on A View from the Wall. 
A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the donate button. Thanks for listening and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.